Hello, and welcome to Brave Space for Critical Conversations podcast, where we have short and to the point discussions on challenging topics focusing on race, healthy relationships, and parenting. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories in hopes that others can take away some nugget of wisdom to further the work of becoming socially conscious and take action individually. My name is Kelly Webb, founder and principal consultant at Matching Peace. Today, I have a special guest, Natasia Miller. Natasia, please share as little or as much about yourself and how you identify. Awesome. Well, hello, Kelly. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to share with you today. A little bit about me. My name is Natasia, as you said so well. I'm from the Bahamas, born and raised on a very small island. It's like a one by two mile island with a population of 100. And no, I didn't miss any zeros there. Um, after I did my high school here in the Bahamas, I did my undergrad in Miami, Barry University, go Bucks, got my master's at Georgia Southern, and then I moved to Orlando for a year before I started my international journey, where I moved to Dubai to work in hospitality for about three years, and then I went to China for two years, and now I'm working with my mom in a travel company in the Bahamas called 3Ms. Nice. So thank you for sharing that. So let's get right into it. What is your experience with culture and diversity in the workplace? And, and share a little bit about what it taught you. Okay, perfect. So uh, as you may know, if anybody has been to Miami, you know, Miami is super diverse. So like my love for diversity started during undergrad because being in the Bahamas, there's basically just black and white. There are, there's not any like Muslims or well, not so many like Muslims or so many other cultures there. When I moved to Miami, I actually worked in the international student office as a student mentor. So there I got to interact with I know, a Saudi Arabian today, a Kenyan tomorrow, and that built my love for culture. And then when I went to Dubai, I worked with 60 different nationalities. There were 1,500 employees from all over the world. And when I was in HR, I was able to have like a personal relationship with different cultures and find out, you know, the way Muslims think versus the way that people think that are Hindus and other, you know, as it relates to their religion. And also as far as culture, a lot of people think that everybody from Africa shares the same culture, but like that is so far from the truth. The way that a Kenyan thinks, the way that somebody from Nigeria thinks, Uganda, like there's so much difference in each culture. So that's one of the things I learned. And I also learned that culture is such a beautiful thing that it sucks that stereotypes sometimes don't allow us to fully integrate and fully appreciate culture the way we should. Yeah. Um, kind of going off script a little bit. One thing that you mentioned about um, people thinking that Africans have the same culture, you know, we've been having discussions about that here in like, um, I live in Ohio, but we were talking about how Midwest is different than East Coast and West Coast. So everybody has a different culture, right? Like exactly. and then on social media, they have like, you know, you're from the Midwest if. Yeah. You know you're from this high school if, right? Mm -hmm. Culture can be as, it could be a family culture, you know, as a small subset, or it can be a national culture or international, exactly. you know, so exactly and it's, it sucks that a lot of people don't realize that you know like for example i have friends from kenya and like my friends are from different tribes 
And even though they're both from Kenya, they live like 30 minutes from each other. Like they're, the way that they think, the way their makeup is, the way the things that they find most important in life, the things that they go after are totally different. And it's not, it's, it's just, it's important for people to note that Africa is a continent and not a country because, you know, like when I was going to university, there are people who'd be like, oh, well, that's an African thing or, well, he's African, so X, Y, Z. And it's just like, you don't give that culture what it deserves. Like each different country deserves to be treated as a different country, not as like one blob. So if I hear one certain accent, I feel like that is the African accent, but it's, it's totally not. And there's things like that happen, not only in Africa, but also like in the Middle East. You mm -hmm. think if you meet someone from, you know, if you meet someone from Dubai, then you've met them all. But like Jordanians are completely different from Syrians who are completely different from, you know, different cultures. So, so like I said, that was one of the things I learned because there is nothing like being able to actually interact with somebody like there's, it's one thing to read online. Like, I'm just going to read how Arab men treat women on this blog. And I'm going to use that. And I'm going to tell all my friends that I read this, so it must be true. And then you mm -hmm. find out that there's so much, there's so much false in it. When you actually go there and you actually sit down and you actually speak to these people, you hear their hearts, you hear their minds, you understand their family life, their family culture and what's important to them and why these stereotypes come about. It's like if you meet one, you can't feel like you've met them all, basically. Right. So thank you for sharing that because that's that's good insight. Um, and that's where we have to to move forward from because what you're describing is tokenism, right? Which we're not going to go into because that could be a whole nother conversation. But you know, I've been studying that. So tokenism, um, not just of the black culture, but now what you're saying just for any culture, right? So, um, so moving forward, what are the benefits of organizations who focus on building this awareness? Well, the, you know, when it comes to organizations and businesses, it's always about the dollars, the cents, and the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So fun fact, the, the extent to which an organization cares about diversity and inclusion does affect the bottom line. But how, Natasha, how does it affect the bottom line? So glad you asked. Well, one of the largest, usually one of the largest costs in a business is the employees. And employee retention, employee training, things like this are extremely expensive, especially when you have a larger organization. So if Natasha is working in your organization and Natasha doesn't feel heard, Natasha doesn't feel safe, Natasia doesn't feel like she's being treated like her counterparts, guess what? Natasia is going to quit. And when Natasia quits, you're going to have to spend time looking at resumes. You're going to spend that money getting all of those CVs in from all of those different places. You're going to spend time and money on that hiring process from the interview, from the onboarding. You're going to have to train Natasia from scratch. I mean, Megan, because Natasia left, you're going to have to train Megan from scratch. Megan is going to have to learn everything that Natasia already knows so all of that is money going out of the company that could have been kept there had the company just paid attention to Natasia and who Natasia represents his needs, whether that is Black people, whether that is women, whomsoever it is, that diversity and inclusion is so important to like just make sure that people feel included. So that's the inclusion part of diversity and inclusion, making sure that people feel recognized, people feel safe, people feel like 
you know, if there is an opportunity for promotion, that they will not be overlooked because of the color of their skin, because of their gender, because of their race, because of their ethnic background, because of their religion. And by doing that, not only will Natasha feel good in her work, not only will Natasha be more productive, productivity, that's another thing, you know, that's another area where businesses can, you know, profit, get, gain profit from just letting people feel like a part of something greater. And the diversity part comes in because if we have 11 people from same city, state, family, culture, all of that stuff, then there is no diversification. And business people, if you know anything about, um, let's talk about stocks and stuff like that, the importance of diversifying, if you have all of your eggs in one basket, you're going to lose out. And the same goes for employees. If you have all of the same types of employees, you're missing out on a different mindset. You're missing out on a different way to look at things, which means you could be missing out on amazing ideas that could expand, increase your profits. So you're missing out on a lot. So money in and money out basically are, are the ways that companies benefit from just being being in tune with diversity and inclusion. And I just wanna say that that goes for small businesses and large alike. I don't want you to feel like if you're not Apple, Google, or, or Hyatt brand with like multinational corporations that this doesn't go for you. Even a small business that has just like one or two employees, you too can benefit from being diversified because guess what? If Natasha and Kelly come to your Instagram page and Natasha and Kelly only see white faces, Natasha and Kelly are not going to feel like your shampoo is for them. <laughs> so what you, you, you just have to make sure that even in the content that you put out and don't just make it about the content, like literally cater, cater to different nationalities. What does that do? That increase, increases your market. That makes you not just like focused on one demographic, but it increases your demographic, which increases the number of customers that you can have, which increases your profit, small business. So you should jump on this diversity and inclusion train as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going way off trip, right? But uh, one thing that you had mentioned was inclusion and diversity. And that's one thing that I tell businesses is that you have to be inclusive of the people that you have currently before you even try to diversify, because you're going to try to diversify and bring people into an uh, exclusive environment, and they're not going to stay. Exactly. Exactly. So you really have to work on the inclusion piece um, before you can even start branching out. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that. No, that's the truth. And to be honest, what I've noticed with a lot of my clients, they don't even understand the inclusion and lack thereof. So that just goes to say that it comes with learning. Like we're talking a lot now about, you know, everything that's happening in this allyship journey and everything like in the US specifically. And that inclusiveness, like I had a client that actually had members of her organization come to her and say, you know what? This is a white supremacy based organization. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? Defensive, defensive, defensive. And then when I broke it down, like these people say they don't have a voice. What do they mean they don't have a voice? We have meetings all the time. Yes, but like in these meetings, how do they flow? Who's usually the one that's able to talk first? Who's the one that you ask for their feedback more like? So it's a lot of that comes from just not knowing. So I think that companies really like, even the companies that feel like I'm so inclusive, I have never said a racist slur in my life, like we are totally fine. You should probably just, just check yourself, do some research, do some reading just to make sure that you're hitting all the boxes that you can be. Right. 
Right. So what are some of the threats for organizations that don't pay attention to culture? Well, the threats are, some of them are directly the opposite of the benefits. So if you are a company with a high turnover rate, look at where that turnover rate, like who is it that is leaving? If you see that there's a certain demographic, a certain type of person that's leaving, then you should probably look into what's happening, especially if it's departmental. Um, because, you know, like, for example, let's talk about hotels since that's where my background is. If, for example, I'm in a hotel and, you know, hotels have F&B department, front office department, um, all types of different departments, accounting, etc. So if you see that in your front office department that you're having a lot of women leaving the front office department or you're having a lot of Latinos leaving the front office department or a lot of minorities, then you might need to look into the culture in that office. And then also look into how that culture reflects the culture of your entire organization. So that's definitely something that can be a, a big deal when it comes to what can be a, a negative effect of not looking at racism is that you have an entire department that is infected with the disease of microaggressions, the disease of racial bias. If you see the same people being promoted, they all look alike. They're like twins the people that are being promoted in a certain department, you need to look into that because like you were talking about earlier, like if you try to bring in diversity, like, oh my God, they say we need to be diverse. Let's add some black people, get the Latinos, put them in. And the environment there, the culture there is already a culture that is not inclusive. Then, then no matter how many Latinos or black people you hire, they're gonna have the same experiences and it's still gonna be a high turnover rate. And another thing, especially when it comes to guest facing or guest related departments, that is going to show. That is going to show. Um, when, it, when you see people are not productive and you see people are very lax about their work, like when things like this happen, it is very, very often that it's due to people not feeling comfortable in their work. And you might be saying to yourself as a leader of an organization, like, but nobody said anything to me. I haven't heard anything. We have like 10 black people that work for us and nobody has ever said that they feel discriminated against. Most of the time, especially when it comes to microaggressions, and I'll just say what microaggressions are. Microaggressions are basically um, like little slurs or little phrases or even actions that bring down a certain culture or a certain type of person. So one example with me having hair like this, I've had people that told me that my hair is unprofessional. Um, and even though my hair grows up while other ladies' hair might grow down, this ponytail is the same hairstyle that a lot of people have. Um, so are there any resources you would like to share? Or any? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sure. So first resource, if you are an organization, a small business, a large business, a medium-sized business, you have two employees, you have 2,000 employees. The first resource that you should go to for understanding and knowledge as it relates to diversity, inclusion, anti-racism, allyship as a business, are your employees. Yes. If you have employees of color, people of color, BIPOCs in your organization, um, I personally wouldn't say, like, just walk up to one of them and say, so what do you think about our organization? But you can do something or as you do, like, an anonymous survey or you allow them to have, like, anonymous interviews with someone that they trust in your organization 
to hear how they feel. Do they feel safe? Do they feel taken care of? Do they feel like they are in a space that is equal? Do they have issues with people treating them a certain way because of their nationality, culture, whatever? You should have conversations with them because they will be able to help you more than anybody else to understand what's going on inside your organization and what should change. And then when you get that information, you're going to have to understand how to process it. And like we were talking about earlier, that might not be the easiest thing to do. There are certain things that people just don't know, even though we should know, even though it should be something that comes as second nature, it doesn't always do that. So get someone to help you. That someone could be like a book. Um, Layla Saad has an amazing book called Me and White Supremacy. That is a great start. If you are a reader, then, you know, if you are a person that listens to podcasts, there are several podcasts and also there is movies and things like that where you can just start to understand the what, what your employees go through on a daily basis. Like inside of work and outside of work, there are so many things that happen in BIPOC culture that, you know, if you're not a part of the culture, you wouldn't be able to understand. So just seek resources, read. Um, and then if you wanted to hire somebody to come in, you should do that. Hire somebody that understands you know, diversity, that understands inclusion, that understands what people go through, especially a person of color, um, not to discriminate, but I just think that, you know, if you are gonna hire somebody to look at, you know, the issues that are in your organizations that people of color go through, then a person of color probably has went through that in some shape or form in their lifetime. So they would be able to navigate that for you. So definitely would say that you should hire someone if you feel like you need more of that one-on-one. -on -one. If you feel like a book or read, reading a book or listening to a podcast or watching a few videos is not enough, let somebody give you that step-by-step -step guidance and help you to make a, 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 more, a better space for your employees. Um, diversity and inclusion is definitely something that each and every organization should be looking at. I cannot stress that enough, that no matter how small, no matter how great, no matter how great the copywriting is for your diversity and inclusion. I don't care if you paid $10,000 for it, if it's not being implemented properly and your employees don't feel safe, don't feel taken care of, don't feel included, don't feel equal, then your copyright, your perfectly copywritten DNI statement is useless. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I, I, I know that I keep on adding stuff, but one thing I would like to add is pay people, right? So when you had mentioned bringing somebody in, be willing to pay them because I am learning that in this industry, people are definitely under budgeting the diversity inclusion budget. And this is not where you would like to skimp on the money, right? Um, you need to put money into this. Um, yes. So as we wrap up, what are some, uh, do you have anything, advice that you like to give to others? Um, or anything that you would like to share before we wrap? Um, yeah, sure. Just as a wrap up and basically, again, to say what you just said, paying people is important. We have so many issues with pay gaps as it is. And, you know, yeah. people might think like, oh my gosh, this is a pandemic. Let me push all my money into sales. Let me push all my money into marketing or whatever it is. But you should be really investing in DNI. Don't make that the first thing you cut. 
you know, make that something that your organization sees as important. If your organization is all about the dollars and cents and you're like, you feel like diversity and inclusion is the same as sending money to a, a, a caring organization or something like that, understand that being an, a, a company that values diversity and inclusion is, will affect your profits for the better. Definitely will. Having low turnover rates, go, go and look at your bottom line, go get your profit and loss statement and see how much money you have spent on it in the past. It is like, it's going to blow your mind. And all you need to do is change and rearrange what you're doing. Make sure that you speak to your clients, speak to your um, employees. Sorry, they are your internal clients. Think about them as your internal clients because they are, that, they are the people that run this thing to make sure that the external clients keep coming back. And just like Kelly said, just keep investing in DNI. Um, keep looking for areas that, you, that there may need improvement and hire if need be. If not, at the very minimum, make sure that you read a book. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, so as we, we close out, if you would just like to share where people can find you, um, Feel free, take it off. All right. So if you would like to continue to chat, um, you can find me via email at mind, that is mind, fro, as in my hair, travel at gmail.com. Um, on Instagram and also on Facebook, it's mindfrotravel.com. And also, if you're interested, I have a YouTube series about allyship 101 and it goes over systemic racism and it goes over microaggressions and things of that nature so you can find that on youtube just search for mind Pro travel and then click the playlist and watch it straight through it will be a very interesting hour of your life to help you to understand dni a little bit better yes thank you and i'll make sure that's in the description for the podcast so thank you, thank you very much Brave Space for Critical Conversations is a podcast under the Matching Peace brand. Matching Peace provides equity-centered education, training, and mentoring that focuses on horizontal co-learning with institutions and between peer and family groups to enrich their overall well-being. You can follow Matching Peace on Facebook and Instagram under the username Matching Peace or subscribe to our newsletter at www.matchingpeace.org.